This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, I wasn't really planning on talking Joe Mixon to start this podcast, but uh, here we are right now. Not not good news for the running back in the Cincinnati Bengals. No. Uh, yeah, we thought we were going to do a big mailbag today, but then news came out, and it wasn't the happy news that Brian Callahan was hired or whatever. It was uh, the unfortunate news that Joe Mixon has a warrant out for his arrest uh, due to aggravation aggravated menace oranges that makes him pointed a gun at a woman in downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. And the, and the Bengals had a follow-up statement. Uh, Paul Daner Jr. actually had tweeted this out and several reporters in Cincinnati. And they said the club is aware of the misdemeanor charges that have been raised against Joe Mixon. The club is investigating the situation and they will not comment further at this time, which is really normal for an organization to do when this news breaks out. But for Joe Mixon, um, I kind of want to start here with him because everybody knows what happened to Joe Mixon years ago. And I feel like he's been a part of this organization as a leader, as a teammate. He's been voted captain several times. Um, just a big part of what is what has been happening in Cincinnati over the last few years. And he was here, you know, in the early struggling years, too, just a few years ago. Um, you know, this this news is. You know, it's really discouraging to hear. Um, obviously, everybody's going to um, the Bengals organization and, you know, his legal team. We're going to wait for, you know, everything to come out, which which we have right now. But it's just a um, it's not not news you want to hear right now after after what happened on Sunday. To me, there's a, a few things here. And the first is. The Bengals know whatever about it, they're conducting their investigation. If this turns out to be true, extremely, I mean, he's cut. That's that's the end of Joe Mixon's time in Cincinnati, if there's truth to this. Uh, because he was already a cut candidate in the first place, and it's very easy to get out of the contract. There's not much. The only reason to keep him was because he was a locker room guy, and because uh, when he's on, he's a very good talent. But the talent has, it wasn't where it was last year. So there's no temptation there. And then also locker room guy. Well, not anymore. <laughs> so uh, that that's the first news for Cincinnati. It is a little bit sad, I think, mm -hmm. for Joe Mixon, because it seemed as if he turned his life around. Maybe it was just a mistake he made as a teenager. And it's a very, very terrible mistake. And uh, there's a legend that there's other things going on. But just looking at it, it's just a, a terrible mistake. But a guy can make a mistake and have a second chance turn his life around. He went six years clean, basically seven years. I don't know when that 
exactly happened. I think it might have been bef- well before the draft. Um, yeah. But then um, this comes out and uh, didn't turn his life around, if this is true. This is uh, kind of what you were worried about, is that he was someone who would be a risk for this and not a uh, upstanding individual in the first place. This, is a, this also um, was allegedly a woman that he pointed the gun at which I think adds another layer to what Joe Mixon did here because it goes with what he did as in college. Um, there's now a pattern about not respecting women and threatening or performing violent acts. So that, that will be most likely the end of Joe Mixon's time in Cincinnati, and it's a sad ending. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you bringing up the word sad, um, you could say that for for everybody involved in that situation and for Joe Mixon, um, you know, I've felt that way since that they dra- since they drafted him, because I remember this organization getting a lot of backlash when they decided to do that. And a lot of teams didn't draft him. And the Bengals said, you know, they, they picked him up. And, and I've always kind of felt like he was that leader, that teammate. And I mentioned before on the podcast, a, a captain, um, a huge part of this team. And, you know, it was obviously this season where we really pointed out some of the struggles on the field where it just wasn't the same production from him. Um, obviously, this is way more important in a situation and things that you can't do. Um, you, you have to be you know, smart in these decisions and in, in these situations. And I just, um, yeah, I, I don't think you could describe it any other way than that's just sad. It's really sad for someone because um, it does feel like this could be the end for Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. I mean, again, we've talked about it when it comes to the cap situation. I didn't see them paying around $12 million for Joe Mixon when we saw the production last year or this past season. And even in just this past weekend's game, like, okay, they're more, they might move on from him or they might restructure this. And at this point, um, what Zach Taylor has really built in Cincinnati when it comes to the culture and the locker room on and off the field. That stuff is extremely important. I actually put out on social media a couple hours ago. I said, what did you learn about the 2022 season? And I wanted Bengals fans just to tell me what they really kind of gathered after this season. And there was someone who wrote me and he said, it's, it's the culture. It's, it's what Zach Taylor really brings. We don't have any of that off the field messy stuff anymore. And yes, everything with Jackson Carmen, the reports last year, that is a serious situation. And I'm not downplaying that at all. But the overall picture and body of work, what we've seen with Zach Taylor from years past when Cincinnati was like the laughing joke of all that team. Who's, you know, who's getting arrested this week over there? And it just felt like everyone looked at Cincinnati that way. And I hated that about the organization. And it did feel like that change with Zach Taylor and what we really saw from a lot of the players in the locker room on and off the field. And his follow up to that reply was, oh, man, I didn't expect this news to come out after he sent me that paragraph about the culture. Um, it's still like that in Cincinnati. They still have a, an amazing, amazing locker room. Uh, but this situation is just, it's unfortunate for everybody involved. And I just, um, I, 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 I hated to see it. Yeah. Um, really not, not much more. Yeah. The culture from what Taylor has done to turn this around and it really, it wasn't the 2010s Bengals so much as the 2000s Bengals that really developed that reputation, but they still had guys in 2010 that would, you know, you'd hear about it. It's in the 2020s. I don't think you've heard really much about it. Um, that's why Jackson Carmen stands out, not only because what he did was severe, but also because it's rare right now. And then the Joe Mixon thing comes out and now you've got a few, uh, but 
we'll say I think the culture, while strong, I I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with this, but basically it's a strong culture. I think it'll be okay without Mixon, who I thought was actually a reason that the team was so close. Um, but they have evolved beyond that. I thought he was important early on in Joe Burrow's tenure before they had chase and when they were all young and they still are young, but like rookies finding their way, figuring out what the NFL is. You need, may need a guy like that when he first got his extension, basically the first guy's extension, it felt like, well, this is also because of what he adds leadership wise and to the locker room. And now, well, that's gone. Uh, and you could argue that was never there because of what happened. And I think it's a valid argument, but what we have heard and we have seen has been nothing of this sort uh, since he's been drafted. In fact, it's pretty much been the opposite about him being very upstanding individually. He goes out before games and plays catch with fans and whatnot, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have these tendencies and it comes back up. It's a sad way for his career as a Bengal to end. I mean, you're looking at, he wanted to, I think he just said he wanted to be a Bengal for life and you're probably going to restructure that deal so that it's not much cap hit. And, and then maybe he takes a cheap extension to stay. That's all gone. That's just, that's unless this is completely false and they figure it out in the investigation very quickly. That's all gone. He's, he's no longer a Bengal for life. He was fast on his way to being a ring of honor member and that's gone too, I think. So you, you're not going to add him to the ring of honor when this is how you go out or that he hasn't invest or, uh, a charge like this that comes up. So it's kind of, it's just sad. I think that it basically came full circle where he had the terrible event before he made it to the NFL, where he uh, got arrested for assault of a woman. And now it's come full circle that he pointed a gun at a woman and has an issue, uh, a warrant out for aggravated menacing, which, Honestly, seems light for pointing a gun at somebody uh, and threatening them, but I don't know the law that well, and it did fall under what I read. I just it, it also goes under threatening property or something. Mm -hmm. So there was such a wide range when it first came out as aggravated menacing. I was like, well, did he just say like something about like I'll I don't know something your house or you know I'll destroy your lawn <laughs> it's like that's what you think could be like the light end but then again you think this is a local celebrity so if he has a warrant out for his arrest it's probably on the harsher end and turns out it is on the harshest of harsh ends where it wasn't just words but also uh not physically acting but physically threatening somebody's life by pointing a gun at them yeah, it looks like when it comes to the dates of it, it happened the early morning of January 21st. I had a lot of people, when they saw the date, they were like, well, it can't be him. He was in Buffalo with the team, and the team traveled to Buffalo that day, but they didn't leave until later in the afternoon. So um, if this, you know, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep finding out more information with everything. But right now, um, this is what we have right now when it comes to, to Joe Mixon. Again, the warrant was issued. Um, it was probably about two hours before we started recording around 7 p.m. And that news broke out in Cincinnati. The Bengals organization let a lot of um, news reporters and uh, Bengals beat writers know that they are, are aware of the situation and they're just not commenting at this time while they continue to do their investigation on their end. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just think it's, there's just no, there's no way that, um, uh, that we are going to see Joe Mixon again. I mean, and maybe, maybe I'll, I shouldn't say no way. 
but it just it would I would be surprised if Joe Mixon is still on this team come training camp. Yeah, I'd be pretty shocked. Um, just the severeness of it all. Uh, and I mean, when he got drafted, I didn't like it because I just I, I saw what happened and very against any type of violence, especially against women. Um, so seeing that, especially because it was on, on video, and I know that doesn't make it worse, but it just, it's very definitive. This is what happened. And I was very against it. And I wasn't a fan for probably a couple years. And then I still wasn't like a big fan, but you come to appreciate the game on the field and appreciate that it, he may have actually gotten better, turned his life around, all these other things that people can change, people can get better. Um, I know I, <laughs> I'm sure people listening, I've changed since I was five, six years ago. If you don't look back and are upset or cringe at what you did like five, six years ago, then you haven't grown. So you think he's grown, you think he's become a better person. And then this happens and it's like, well, no, I guess not uh, this provided it's accurate. So that yeah. that's just kind of the, the sadness of it all is just, I think I finally got to the point where I thought, well, I think maybe he's actually really grown. I think, you know, he's become a more mature and better individual. And then this news comes out and I know there's maybe a ton of victory laps about what happened seven, six, seven years ago or whatever. I don't think it's worth taking a victory lap over. No. Especially especially I saw somebody on Twitter do it because they said they would cut him this offseason. Like you didn't unless you specifically stated because I heard about whatever that it's a completely different reason you're gonna cut him. And I'm sure we were gonna have the conversation over the next yeah. couple of weeks about do you cut him even though he's been a good locker room presence and everything else if this didn't happen now it's very clear i think we're both on the side of yeah cut him uh, yeah it was already in discussion there's already a good argument to be made and now you add this in you take away the main value he had was a leadership and locker room presence no reason to keep him um even if he gets better he's healthier whatever let somebody else deal with that personally don't want these type of people on the football team i support and do all this work for so yeah i just keep coming back that it's, it's kind of sad. Uh, there are people that grow and get better, but he wasn't, he didn't, doesn't seem to have been one of them. He just was able to go six, seven years. Uh, but I guess it wasn't a life-changing experience. It was uh, because of what happened today. Well, yeah, you... January 21st. Also not what nine in the morning. What, what? I guess people are mad. I don't know. Like that, that part is shocking. Like when I, when I think of this, I think of he was at the bar or something I did late too. at night. And then you hear it's 21st. You're like, what? At noon? <laughs> what, what happened? Uh, that, that just makes the story more confusing to me. I mean, you could always be under an influence that early, but it's just not common. So that, that part was also very surprising that I learned from you uh, five minutes ago. Well, yeah. And, and I, you bring up a good point when the Bengals drafted him, you weren't a fan of it. And I remember, cause I was covering the team at the time and a lot of people reached out to me. I was working for the inquired doing Bengals shows and people reached out and they're like, you're a woman. How do you feel about this? You can't like this. My overall thoughts were, I hope he's different. I hope he changed because that experience, you want someone to get better and you learn from that experience and you don't want them to ever go back to that. So I'm always rooting for someone to be a better person in the long run. And we did, as we mentioned already on this podcast, he had a long run in Cincinnati of just being that locker room teammate, captain, um, overall, just 
one of the hype man uh, on this team. And um, I just think, you know, you've already mentioned this, this podcast, this first segment, but just a sad situation all around. And we'll obviously hear more information as the week goes on uh, from, from everybody from the Bengals organization and then any other additional reports that come out. But unfortunately, did not want to start the podcast with this. We don't want to talk about this stuff um, right now. And it hasn't been a, a great week for the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, yeah, I'm not I'm not huge on on those discussions and, and topics, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, uh, luck would have it. I thought this might have he might get cut anyway. So first first draft prospects to start looking at running backs. So I guess I'm, I'm going to hammer all those guys. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done two. <laughs> Yeah. Keep, anytime I post a take though it, uh, on Twitter, it like I think I said Jameer Gibbs is more CJ Spiller than he is Alvin Kamara, and I have reasons for that. But um, people are like, "Well, how do you feel about some guy I've never heard of that's like a fifth round pick?" And I'm just like, "Dude, I've I've watched two guys. I, <laughs> the the season didn't end, and I immediately well, was like, I've watched them all. All right, ask away." Well, good news is every week you're going to watch uh, two different players for the Twitter world, and to. we're going to break those down. <laughs> Two players it's going to be a lot of running backs. I, I, maybe I have to switch it up a little bit. <laughs> I'm just going to watch a ton of running backs in a row. Draft picks. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it's just there's going to be so many conversations when it comes out. Now it's going to be, you know, when do the Bengals make that decision? Is it going to be, you know, before free agency starts? Is it going to be before the draft? Um, I, I would think it would be sooner than later. Um, and it does free up, I want to say, about $10 million in cap yeah. space. So, yeah, it just – There's probably right. some type of – clause about arrestment and whatnot that it's all void so i don't even know if this would have dead cap or whatever associated with it not full-on cap experts here but that's nope. a pretty common pretty common thing there so it could even be more than 10 links i think he's owed 12 to 13 12. but i'm not going to speculate too much yeah. because we don't even know if he's if, if he is guilty so you could get cut even if you're not guilty like that's that's what I, if the internal investigation finds anything and, but you don't have enough to process, like actually convict him. Um, there's there's a middle ground there. Yep. And uh, we'll have more again. Follow on Twitter. You can follow Bengals underscore stands at LNDS Patterson. But next, we're going to get to your mailbag question because you had plenty of questions and we want to get to them and talk a little bit about the 2022 season next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on a toys game day in Cincinnati. 
It is Lindsay Patterson, Mike Santagata. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Mailbag double header time. When you see our lower third, you can tell we are ready to take your questions. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The Twitter world is going crazy with these draft boards. I'm not ready for the draft yet as we hit February 2nd. How do you feel about these draft boards right now? Sure, whatever. I don't care. I did one. I mean, it's just nonsense, right? I mean, I guess we know all the people that are going to declare, I believe. I don't think anybody's going back unless it's like a really surprising thing. Uh, So at least they're not – I feel like when you do it in like October, it's pointless because like, well, like that guy could just go back, especially when you get to later rounds. Like first round, sure, just pick somebody. But yeah, I don't know. I've watched uh, I've watched two guys in depth, and I've caught glimpses of quite a few others because there's two football teams when I'm watching these players. So, but I did one, and I only knew one person that I drafted. So, <laughs> well, I even put it out on uh, Twitter earlier. I was like draft people. I need you to tell me what this wide receiver class looks like, because I feel like Cincinnati is going to get another wide receiver, but it sounds like it's kind of like mid to late draft for the wide receiver. There's no Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson's uh, to see early on. So it's going to be one of those where I feel like they could pick up third, third round, fourth round, because I do feel like they're going to add another weapon and maybe that's a tight end early, but we're going to go to Parker Blake, a friend of the show always sends great questions. He says, what are the Bengals looking to do in the draft? Are they drafting starters, upgrading depth, what positions, and who should they be eyeing on days one and two? So I think it's well, obviously on day one, you're going to want to get a guy that is probably an immediate contributor, but they didn't do that this year, and I don't think it's a failed pick. So you can draft you can draft depth and on day one, but it's got to be a guy that next year will be an immediate will be a contributor. Like when. Instead of saying immediate contributor, maybe think short-term contributor. Your your first-round pick needs to contribute within the first two years, in my opinion. Um, and then also become a, a probably, hopefully, a core piece moving forward. Although when you start drafting outside the top 16, 20, it becomes a little dicier to find those guys because, mm-hmm. you know, 27 picks before the Bengals. Uh yeah, so I, I think you look for somebody who can contribute immediately on day one. Day two, you probably also want to find somebody who can contribute on the team, I'll say short-term, like within the first two years again. So that, that's what I'd be looking for on that end. Um, and then we've kind of done positions a little bit. I I The one I'm, I'm coming back to, and it's very timely because of the news, but if – Bijan Robinson, I haven't watched in depth, but he's supposed to be like the best running back since Barkley or something to enter the draft. If he really is that, and because running back is devalued position at this point in time, do the Bengals take a serious look at 28? Like, I think they would. I don't think they would ignore it. I, mm-hmm. I, I think they know that it's a need, and now it's definitely going to be a need. Pirine's not even for sure back. We'll know by the time of the draft, but. You look at that, and I think that's an option. Um, and then there's a few options for running back in the second round. So I, I think they're going to go after a running back or a tight end early, maybe not both. And then I think they're going to look for plenty of defensive guys. But that's just my early feel on it. I don't have a great feel on everything. I know everybody wants offensive linemen, and that's also a possibility. I think offensive tackle or if they love an interior guy. And I know everybody loves – Cody Mouch with his three teeth. So that's always an option. I hear he's interior, even though he played tackle. 
So I think when you, when you talk about those positions, some of the most important things when it comes to running back and tight end and what they need to look for, it's just so hard with a draft. You don't know what's going to translate to the NFL, but they need to be able to block. Um, this offensive line is obviously not perfect. I still see them being able to pick up a guy or two in free agency. It's not going to be anything that's a super splash because that money's going to go elsewhere when it comes to Joe's contract and then just other free agents on the team. But that needs to be a little important when you look at those guys that you may be drafting. Um, Jess kind of ties it into the offensive line. She says, offensive line, draft or free agency are both like last year. And I'll be completely honest with you. I don't trust this team when it comes to developing a draft pick on the offensive line. I get that. Sure. <laughs> uh, not a great history over the past few years, although I would say that I thought Volson was <laughs> developed from where he was in college. And it seems as if Carmen has developed some, um, but I also get the position because some of these guys haven't developed at all. Uh, I, I think my gut says, my gut says it'll probably be more draft though, because I I don't how much are you gonna pay a guy to not start in free agency? Like it's it's a possibility, and maybe you want to get a swing tackle, a Rick Wagner, Billy Turner, whatever guy that if a guy goes down, he could start. Maybe you want a start startable low end right tackle. Um to compete with Collins or because you're going to cut Collins and get cheaper there, or you're going to draft a rookie and have them compete for the job type thing. But in my mind, I, I think that they've got, I don't know. I, I don't think they have perfect depth. We saw that. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's a need, but just my gut says they're, they're more so willing to look through the draft to find these guys and they are in free agency. I would not mind an experienced swing tackle. I just don't know. Have the Bengals ever gone after like a, an experienced somewhat pricey swing tackle? Cause the way I'm building that out is that you're probably maybe getting a guy to work at right tackle. Like you think he might start at right tackle. You're not thinking I'm getting this guy to be a backup. Yeah, and one of the things, this image popped in my head the other day, if they would have lost Ted Karras in any of those games, do you feel confident about their backup center right now in that position, a center that can Hill? Yeah. Yeah, no. but <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I mean, there's just so many questions when it comes to the depth position because here's where I feel some people are a little wrong when you talk about the Bengals' offensive line. They're getting criticism again this year. We're seeing that meme again with Sewell and Jamar Chase. And, and the Bengals got Jamar Chase, right? They wouldn't have made it to the Super Bowl last year without Jamar Chase. And you could say the same for when he did return this season, even though he did miss five games. But the overall body of work when you come to the offensive line, I didn't mind any of those picks. Lyle Collins just didn't work out for Cincinnati. And this was way before his ACL injury. Just it just didn't, it didn't work out. And that's unfortunate. So now I feel like you are looking at right tackle. And I still feel like you can look at depth positions when it comes to the left tackle. If maybe Jackson Carmen isn't your backup, I, I feel like it's going to be Jonah Williams. They picked up the option. They're not going to trade the guy. And then the guard position could use, use depth there. If a cap that goes down again, what we saw in the Kansas city game, that was a huge difference. Um, if Cordell Volson just has that 
extra depth behind him. And maybe year two looks even stronger for the rookie. Um, there's just a bunch of questions when it comes to what that depth looks like. But the thing is, a lot of NFL teams could say the same thing when it comes to their offensive line if they lose three starters. So I felt like Cincinnati did a lot last year with the offensive line. It just was unfortunate that some of the guys didn't work out and then injuries impacted all at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it's very likely, but if you do, it is possible that a veteran offensive lineman wants a one last go type situation and they want to go with the Bengals because they're a Super Bowl contender. Um, if it is, I, I don't think it's out of the question that if a very, very good older left guard wants to play for the Bengals. I don't think it's out of the question that maybe Volson becomes the backup because while he was great for where he was drafted, he was still probably a, a below average left guard in the league. Mm -hmm. um, and you're hoping that improves, but we've, we just mentioned these guys haven't really developed that well lately. So if he doesn't develop, or maybe you just want to nip that in the bud because you're a Super Bowl contender. It's possible. I don't see it. I don't think it is likely, but I don't think – I think he's more so a projected starter, but you wrote it – I don't want to say in pencil. Is there something in between pencil and pen? You know, maybe you just have white out somewhere deep in your junk drawer. <laughs> With that one, you're just like very, very likely he's a starting left guard. But if something comes up, like – I don't know. Uh, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Right, Joel Batonio gets cut from the Browns, and he's just like, I want to make one go with the Bengals. You you sign Joel Batonio. You don't say like, no, thank you. We have a left guard. Uh, so, I mean, that is one way to make your depth much better is that you have a very, very startable piece that can play left or right guard. Now you have an interior offensive lineman to move around. I wouldn't mind them finding some type of center that's not – Trey Hill because that does scare me though they need to be able to snap and he's probably the only other guy on the roster that can snap a football sorry to put that image in your head uh when Ted Karras was battling that that um leg a little bit after the bill or in between the bills game I was like no no they can't they can't lose Ted Karras they need him he needs we need him out there uh but at the same time uh so you know I, I did receive another uh, tweet earlier today and, and they said you know one of the things I learned about the 2022 season was that this team was an offensive line away from from one, you could say one or two Lombardies right now. And that is an unfortunate situation because you look at the teams in the Super Bowl this year and trenches matter so much, um, whether your starter go goes down or not, because an NFL season is extremely long, but you have to have a backup plan if it's guys that you end up drafting, drafting that are developmental pieces. Um, but right now, Hakeem Adeniji, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about him because I didn't know if he was yeah. making the roster this year. And, you know, I, he stepped up a few times, but that's not your answer for a backup tackle right now. He really much seemed like he would be the swing tackle. And I thought on film he looked like he could be the swing tackle for the future. And, like, that's a great spot to be in. But then the playoffs happened and the opponents got better. and They targeted him a little bit more and it turned into less of – I think he'd be a swing tackle into if he goes in, it might be a little bit of a liability situation. So that's, it's rough. I, I would, I would think that there is somebody probably drafted um, to be a swing tackle, not to be a swing tackle, but that will probably be your swing tackle or at least back up one of the positions. They could draft a right tackle 
and he's backing up Collins or starting. And then Carmen is backing up the left tackle. Um, Cause I expect Jonah to start, but Jonah, same thing as Wilson there. Um, I thought Jonah was actually better than Wilson this year, which it's strange to see all the people that think he's terrible now. Uh, but uh, yeah, if uh, Tyron Smith gets cut from Dallas, actually pretty likely, and he doesn't retire, if he goes, well, let's make a run of this Bengals, you sign him. And, especially if it's cheaper and he probably starts at left tackle for you. That's then you can get, you can get fun with what do you do at right tackle? Jonah's played there before Collins competes for that job. Might not be ready week one. Uh, can Carmen play right tackle? You, you maybe have a big competition at right tackle in this situation, but it's just another one of those. Just this could happen because you're looking at a team that's actually a contender. Now, even in the mid 2010s and the mid two thousands, they were they were a dark horse type contender. Now they're like one of the five teams you would name most likely to win a Super Bowl. So that's my thoughts on all that. Yeah, no, I agree 100% with you. And I think that those are conversations and important ones you need to have because I feel like in training camp, you're going to put your best five guys out there. And if that's Frank Pollock, is if that's what he decides to do, because Zach Taylor did say he's bringing back his full staff to be determined on what happens with Brian Callahan and Lou and Arumo, um, I think you have to be open-minded when it comes to what position you put these guys in because it's more than likely going to be Jonah Williams last year in Cincinnati. Um you know, I, I don't see even if he plays an OK season that they find a way to um, get a multi-year contract with him. But, hey, I'd love to be wrong. I hope we're having this discussion next year because Jonah Williams balls out and he can stay healthy. But I just don't. I think it's one last run in Cincinnati for him. And if it's left tackle, if it's right tackle, um, he's going to be starting for this offensive line. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. I know a lot of people are down on Jonah Williams. I don't understand the hate so much, but you would think that this guy was just the worst offensive lineman on the team. And I just don't agree with that. Yeah, just reminding people that may not know. Uh, yeah, led the league in sacks. That is one stat that is very bad for him. That is not an offensive line evaluation uh, because that is a very tricky statistic mm -hmm. that can come from miscommunications with the left guard. A rookie left guard, miscommunications, very possible. Uh, that could come from somebody else giving the pressure for a second, come from Burrow holding the ball too long. And then to go with that, I've seen plenty of takes about wanting Orlando Brown from the Chiefs, paying him 20 plus million dollars to be the blindside protector for Joe Burrow. That guy gave up more pressures than Jonah. They just didn't turn into sacks. He has a higher PFF grade for whatever that's worth. But when you look at their data, and I don't think it was a higher pass protection grade when you look at true pass sets, but we look at the data, he gave up more pressures. He had a higher pressure rate. So it wasn't even just because he pass blocked more. It was at a higher rate as well. We watch what Trey Hendrickson usually does to that guy. And I'm not sure why people want him so bad, but just to give you an example of, they're probably both around average level left tackles. This is what an average left tackle looks like. It's, when people want the average offensive line, they lose. That doesn't mean they'll always win and be able to survive two and a half seconds. No, an average offensive lineman loses still. So that's Jonah Williams, kind of the definition of an average left tackle to me. Uh, so it, you hope it got better. It didn't. Maybe next year. He did have the dislocated kneecap. I think it's worth mentioning. But, um, yeah, we made it through, like, three questions. Let's hope we hit some more. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. There was so much to talk about with this offense alignment. I promise your mailbag questions, I keep asking you to send them, and you do. And I'm failing you by talking even more about this offensive line and following up with questions. But we are back with more mailbag questions next in segment three on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'm Lindsay Patterson, Mike Santagata. We are getting back to your mailbag questions. Eric says, if we lose Lou, who should be our new DC? Ooh, I haven't, um, I've I've thought very little about this, uh, but Evero from the Broncos is still out there. Vic Fangio just signed with the Dolphins. I think you, I don't think they have a guy in-house. Marion Hobbies is the only one I can think of, but usually you don't, Defensive line coaches and offensive line coaches are kind of similar in that they usually stay in that role, which kind of sucks because they probably want to move up, but it's such a passing league that the coverage guys and the passing guys are the guys that move up. So your quarterback coaches, your wide receiver coaches who got the interviews for offensive coordinator jobs. It was Troy Walters and um, Dan Pitcher, quarterback coach, wide receiver coach. And then you look at the defensive side, the linebacker coach just left to Notre Dame and he was the one you'd look at. They have two secondary coaches because one works with the cornerbacks, one works with the safeties, but that's lose baby. That's are they, who do you pick first? And then second, how do you know that it's not just what Luana Rumo does with that secondary group? So then you look defensive line coach, the one with the experience and everything, and maybe you could promote him, but I think you look outside the organization for this one. I think they are a unit that can change scheme a little bit if they need to. Uh, I think a good defensive coordinator adapts to them. But, yeah, I mean, like the best guys on the market are Evero from the Broncos last year, Brian Flores, who was the linebacker coach, I believe, for the Steelers. He was an assistant coach for the Steelers last year, but obviously the head coach of the Dolphins before that. Um, I think there's other options. Chris Richard, I think. Maybe he just got promoted, though, in New Orleans. Um, I haven't looked too hard into this. Uh, did did the one um, – Oh, shoot. He played uh, Gerard Mayo. I don't remember if he's still with the Patriots or not. He's with the Patriots. I want to say he either got a promotion or he's, yeah, he's still with the Patriots. Okay. Well, if he wants to be a play calling defensive coordinator, ask him. (laughs) So, I mean, there's, there's guys out there. And then you think about like, what's a, what's a great unit. Um, And maybe they wouldn't do this, but you know, for, uh, I'm trying to think like, who's got the best secondary in the league but if you think of whoever it is look at their defensive backs coach and maybe you could talk to them i think you would cast a pretty wide net outside the organization to replace lou and if he does leave i'll say this every day that passes by is good for the cincinnati Bengals because you're hearing some of these eagle assistants uh possibly getting some interviews so i think if we get to late next week that there is a huge chance that brian callahan 
and Lou Anarumo do return, or at least one of the coordinators are back in Cincinnati, and I'd be totally fine with that. But again, a reminder, if you're winning, good team or uh, teams want your, your coordinators, and that's a good thing. We are going to move on to Turkish Bengal. He says, the Bengals have done a great job of finding cheap players on the rise in free agency. If I could talk, that'd be great. Among the upcoming free agents across the NFL, are there any free agents that you would like that can kind of fit the mold? Uh, um, David Onyemata, I'm not sure how much he's going to cost. He's a defensive tackle um, projected from PFF to be about $7.5 a year. I think he could be better than that. He was in a rotation in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans, a little bit of a D-line factory because also uh, I was, I, I, there's a few younger guys. What I actually like is PFF had Melvin Ingram at $4 million a year for one year. And I was like, that guy could still play. Like That, that is somebody that doesn't fit because he's over 30. Um, but that guy could still play. I'd be interested in that. Marcus Davenport's another younger one that I think he had like no production this year, but he had eight and a half sacks a year before another New Orleans guy. Uh, so I'd look at that. Those Ingram and Davenport are edge guys. Onyemata's an inside guy. So those are three guys I would look at. Although if it was me, man, I just imagine this defense, if you throw in a Javon Hargrave. Yes. Yeah, because what what were they lacking the most on the defensive side in that in the AFC championship game? It was pressure to me. It was Osai was probably your most consistent guy to get pressure. They really focused on Trey Hendrickson. Your second most consistent pressure guy was probably the nose tackle. That's not ideal. So if you could get a guy like Javon Hargrave that can really push the pocket in the interior, I think he had over 10 sacks this season. Fletcher Cox also may be available he's even older though um but another guy that you could look at both on the eagles this season i'd look at them I, i'd look at those two i think they're they're both over 30 fletcher cox way over 30 so there's a little bit of risk there but i just think like this is the this this year next year are my years to push all the chips in yes. and try to the window's wide open but maybe you could just open even even more with one of these moves. So this is to me the year that you can kind of mess with the cap, push things. You're not worried too much about the extension cap hits until two years down the line. You play some cap magic and you work in a Javon Hargrave. I don't expect them to do it, but I'd seriously consider it. And I'd talk to him. I'd, I'd, I'd look hard. This you're right. This it's like a small window that can be expanded after the Joe Burrow contract, because they still feel like they keep a lot of talented guys on this offense. We talked about it before, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you can still find a way to keep those guys. But if you look around the AFC North and you see the Browns, you see the Steelers, and they can put pressure on them. They give Joe Burrow trouble every time he faces them, and the Bengals are missing that on the other side of the ball. And I think any help you can get to Trey and, and maybe Joseph Asai, you know, we see more out of him and is he, and I always call it year number two because he did battle the injury in his rookie year. And this year was his first full season, but we saw some splashes from him. So I think, you know, just adding to that line is going to be extremely helpful for this team. Um, River city stripe says, what does the perfect off season look like for you in free agency? Ooh, free agency. I guess I just talked about it. Getting a, a splashy Javon Hargrave. I, I think that is, to me, the ideal free agency. I Then maybe you can bring back 
I think you want to bring back, um, I mean, I guess perfect. You get Pratt back for cheap, although I'd feel bad for Pratt because I don't think he wants to come back for cheap. Mm -hmm. Uh, You bring back Von Bell cheaper. You get Hayden Hursa another year or two. I'd like to see them run those guys back, although it's not, that's to be a perfect free agency. And then I guess a perfect free agency for me would also include the thing I don't expect them to do and just get an experienced swing tackle that can, that can back up both spots because that's what I think of when I think of the things that plague this. I want to make sure the holes are plugged, linebacker and safety and tight end. And then I want to raise the ceiling as well with uh, a swing tackle. And well, I guess it raises the floor, I guess, more than the ceiling, but you can withstand injuries better with a, a good swing tackle. And then you raise the ceiling with a Javon Hargrave type signing on the defensive side. The floor is the ceiling. <laughs> uh the window is always open because of burrow like the, there's a there's a a yardstick hold this is a big window <laughs> a yardstick holding up the window uh, but you know you could just keep forcing it up higher and higher uh the next couple years because this will be the biggest window you can have because you're not paying anybody really yeah i agree with you zach says based on your own draft evaluations in the past what players were the biggest hits and which ones were the big biggest misses Ooh, man, my draft crushes have been awesome lately. I've only done this seriously for two years before that. I'd have takes. The funniest one I had was being 15 years old in 2011. And I remember, I'm sorry, Lindsay. (laughs) Uh, I remember being furious because they drafted Dalton over Ryan Mallett because Ryan Mallett could throw the football like 70 yards. <laughs> he called AJ Green in that draft. Oh, I was so happy about AJ Green. I was, I was very, I was going to be upset if they took Julio Jones. That's what's funny. <laughs> I was like, don't take Julio over AJ. AJ's better. That's pretty Which, funny though. Yeah. Uh, the Ryan Mallett one is hilarious to me as uh, I didn't even, I didn't know anything. I was just like, that guy could throw the football like 80 yards. And I did the sports science segment on how Andy Dalton has a high pitched voice or something. <laughs> get drafted anyway that was a stupid one for what i missed i mean i've missed other than that i thought wyatt davis would be a a good guard and he got cut year two so that was a pretty big whiff there um trying to think what else was a big bigger whiff from me uh i mean i gave um uh, rashawn slater a mid first instead of a high first i had him a full tier below penne sewell I guess that's still to be determined, but he was an all-pro his rookie year, so I felt kind of dumb. Uh, for hits, my draft crushes the past couple of years. Uh, Greg Dulcich, who had an awesome rookie year for the Broncos, uh, really wanted the Bengals to get him. Landon Dickerson, who is an awesome left guard, voted top five left guard by the players. Uh, he's great, hasn't been injured. I wasn't super worried about the injuries because they seemed like freak things. Um, so I think, who else? I mean, like I like guys like Sewell and Chase I love them I thought they were both elite talents that that's uh but those are easy ones so I'm trying to think of harder ones I usually don't really go below the second round there's just so many guys to watch third round somewhere around there I like Jamory Sawyer he was he ended up being like a sixth round pick and he started for the Chargers and had good PFF scores I haven't really watched him but that was interesting that I thought he was supposed to, I, th- I thought he was like Quentin Spain so I was like I think he's a solid Offensive lineman. He's not going to be anything like a Pro Bowl level, but and that looks like what he might have been. So those were those were some hits and uh, some misses. Wyatt Davis and Rashawn Slater haunt me. Actually, Slater actually taught me. I think in my mind, maybe value the floor of an offensive lineman coming in more than I did because it was obvious he had a decent floor. 
um, I was just like, well, what's the ceiling? Because he's got shorter arms and he doesn't, you know, he's not super strong. And you look at Penny Sewell and the way he moves. So they were just different. But uh, yeah, you learn. I think that's the whole thing is like, it doesn't matter if you whiff on these things. Everybody whiffs. If I didn't whiff, I'd be, oh, my biggest hit. I forgot to mention Ryan Stonehouse, the punter. I barely watched. But I was like, look at the hair. He can hit the, the ball about 80 yards. But that's the thing about the draft. That's why I can credit this front office over the last few years. And you can go to 2020, 2021, 2022. You do not know what you are getting. Yes, someone can be good in college, but you have no clue what it's going to look like in the NFL. And I think if you can get two or to three to maybe four at times, you, I mean, the 2020 draft just felt like a hit. Um, you're doing pretty good as a front office because you just do not know what these guys are going to be in the NFL. I feel like we had a good feeling about Joe Burrow and T Higgins. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, Hey, don't forget how many people wanted Denzel Mims over T Higgins. They you can search Twitter. About that. You can find it. The, <laughs> the Mims versus T Higgins. It's out there. Oh my God. The guy ran three routes at Baylor. Come on. <laughs> I remember the fans. I think a lot of people were like, why would they drop the wide receiver? You got to drop an offensive lineman. Why would oh, yeah, they I remember that too. Josh Jones was the popular offensive lineman yeah. pick. I mean, Jones they... and Mims. But credit to the front office. Anything. Credit the front office. They made the right call. I love T. So I was all Oh, yeah. It. T, I want him to be here to stay. Number five next year. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Spearman131 says, how do I make the pain stop? Um, Time. Are you over the Super Bowl? Like that would be my question to him. If not, it probably won't stop for a while. <laughs> but if you are like me, I don't know. I it stinks. Like it sucks. But I think when I look in perspective of the whole season, it was still to me a successful season making the AFC Championship game. I think this this the goal of the season was to prove you were a true contender, and they did. And they were a better team this year than they were last year, despite not making the Super Bowl this year. There were one one game difference there, and it just turned out they couldn't withstand the injuries this season. You're probably going to be an even better team next year. That's the fun part of this. So you look forward to next year. I think of the draft and free agency as less plugging holes this year and more so adding reinforcements and weaponry um, because there's not many holes. Like Jesse Bates is leaving, but they have a guy there. Um, mm -hmm. And even with Pratt leaving, they have a, they have guys there. They feel good about you could get better, but they have guys they feel pretty good about Hearst leaving. I think does create a hole because rookie tight ends usually aren't, um, Greg Dulcich. And I like to say likely too. Oh, man, I hit the tight ends last year. Hopefully I can hit them again this year because maybe they'll actually draft one. <laughs> I know that I have moments where I, I think back on the Super Bowl, like probably once a week. Um, I think back on, I'll think back on this AFC championship game pr probably once a day right now because it's very fresh. <laughs> um, and just, you wonder, like you have so many, what ifs, what if they would have done this? What if Hayden Hurst would have caught that touchdown? What if Mike Hilton would have caught the interception? I mean, there was just so many, what ifs in that game, uh, for this team. What if you had one of your offensive line, an extra offensive lineman healthy? Uh, but I agree with you. It's the outlook of it. You have Joe Burrow here. If someone would have told me even the night they drafted him, because I knew, remember what the city was like, that they were going to be able to go in his first two full seasons to the Super Bowl and to the AFC championship game and lose by a field goal. I mean, we'd know that heartbreak, but at the same time, it's optimism because they're in contract talks right now with this quarterback. They're, they're thinking long-term and you have the pieces around you. It's just, I think these are exciting times if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan and yeah, you can be bummed about how that game went, but I can't wait until July, August and September when they get back to camp because they're going to be ready. And the biggest thing I think going into next year to keep that excitement, you got to play for more home playoff games. 
you know, I know the number two seed kind of was a little not ideal situation, but man, you got to get that one seed. That is the that is the game changer. Play at home, get the bye. This team had a tough. That's run. a if they that's a neutral field game. If uh, if they could kick the extra point week one, that's um. Ooh. Oh, I guess that's not helping somebody get over this. <laughs> but yeah, it goes to your point. Because it, it goes to your point. You really need to win these games that are very winnable. Don't throw four mm-hmm. interceptions to an inferior team. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> because they should have won. They should have won against Mitch Trubisky. It was a very good defense. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to take anything away from that. But you're a very good offense. Why are you starting so slow? Why are you losing to Cooper Rush and Dallas Cowboys? Same situation there. It wasn't a great offense. They didn't score that much. But they got just hammered by the defense so start faster and don't lose those games you could lose games everybody loses games yeah. but lose lose the hard games win the easy ones win they had, some hard games uh they won all the hard games they lost too many easy ones four games due to walk off field goals four one bad loss four games to walk off field goals that's going to be the the hardest thing to look back on and it's crazy to think that they had four regular season losses because those hurt double uh, because you knew what this team was and, and what they were capable of doing. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It was a successful season. And when you get down uh, between now and free agency and draft, because I think that helps fans move on when there's news that's actually happening for their team when it comes to the addition of players, contract talks, um, more of, of the games are right around the corner. So I think optimism should be that you got Joe Burrow's quarterback and a lot of teams around the league uh, would love to have Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you could say Justin Herbert, uh, Josh Allen, all of them in Cincinnati. Yeah. You know the 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 best thing to think about to help that helps me. I remember where I was early 2016 that playoff game and wondering if I'd ever see this team win a playoff game. That's a very good point. Because it was a- 30 years, and I was just wondering, like, am I gonna be like 55 years old with a story out about me? Like this man has watched every Bengals playoff game <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I hope they finally win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I'm undershot. 95 years old, waiting for my first playoff win. And then, <laughs> right. so they won those playoffs. They've won five playoff games. They've won as many playoff games in the past two years than they have in their entire franchise history. They're in a good spot. They're in a very good spot. And as long as you have Joe Burrow, that window is open. It's a yardstick open, as I call it. It's a five-yard window, maybe. <laughs> It's a a Victorian house. I 100% agree. Good times to be a Bengals fan and really excited about the future. Again, thank you so much for sending your questions. You guys sent tons and tons and tons, a lot of offensive linemen questions. We will be hammering that during the offseason. Mike is going to do his homework. He's going to watch two players a week. We'll have more of that on social media where you can have an input on who you want him to talk about. Look, it can be a college guy and maybe even a free agent player um, who you want to join this team, and we're going to make him break it all down every week. I'm giving him homework every Tuesday when we record, and we'll have our mailbags um, all offseason long on Thursday. Make sure you're following Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson, and thank you for listening to it's always game day in Cincinnati.